All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. What we see is it's not just a, a matter for physical readiness. It, there's also a big cognitive component. And we know emotional intelligence improves with higher HRV. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 197 of the Biohacker Babes podcast. I'm Renee tuning in from Las Vegas today. Hi, Lauren. Hey. Hey, Vegas. <laughs> this going? is Lauren tuning in from Maryland. Just got back from Portland. I was on your coast. I'm not mm. sure what coast my my clocks are on right now, but I'm here. <laughs> a little bit of jet lag maybe today. Just a little bit. Yeah, it wasn't hard to wake up, but I feel a little sleepy. A little bit. Yeah. Can't believe you came to the West Coast and did not come to see me. Oh, there it is. I'm sorry. I won't I'm take sorry. it personally. I'll see you soon. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we'll be in Orlando soon. Woohoo. All right. Yes, quick plug Biohacking Conference in Orlando. If you want to come and hang out with us, it's always such a fun community hang. I know you guys have heard, if you get our emails and see online, heard that a million times, but we mean it. Come hang out with us. Yes, <laughs> always a good time. All right. Pop question of the day. What oh. has, I know you, you forgot, what has been the biggest contributor? to a lower HRV for you? What have you learned? Oh, I thought you were going to ask higher. No, I want to know what, <laughs> I want to know what drowns it. What drowns my HRV? Gosh, nothing, 
nothing really stands out in my mind. I would have to probably scroll through my data. I want to say just off the cuff alcohol in general, but like one particular event, potentially jet lag, and then combining the two, (laughs) extremely detrimental. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, definitely alcohol. That's got to be the worst for HRV. And I mean, intense workout, mm, but usually intense workout, it's like just the next day, but alcohol is takes a couple of days to recover. Yeah. I've actually noticed like the last two weeks I've been so busy and I fortunately, I haven't had any alcohol in two weeks. I've also actually been getting a good amount of sleep, even though I've been busy. So my HRV, HRV has overall stayed pretty high up considering. Yeah. So nice. I think if I was not sleeping and drinking alcohol occasionally, I would be a disaster. So, <laughs> yeah, it's nice to acknowledge all of the levers. So if one is out of your control, it's like we can move the other ones on the board. Exactly. Exactly. Hopefully. Yeah. What all has right. contributed to your highest HRV? You see what I did there? Oh, now that's something I'm not so sure. It might be CBD oil, to be honest, but I would have to really pinpoint the data. What about you? The amp coil. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Massive, massive spike. I think I've talked about that in the podcast before. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, my tra- my baseline, so not just like a day-to-day shift in HRV, my average baseline shot up enormously when I started using the amp coil. And it's been pretty maintained. And so now with the, the newer, higher baseline, I get fluctuations from day-to-day when I use it. But at initial onset of using the amp coil. It was night and day. Hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Very cool. Love the data. All right. So yeah. guess what we're talking about today? <laughs> HRV. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. It's one of our favorite topics, heart rate variability. So we have a an amazing guest for you today. We have Don Moxley coming on. He is really an expert in, I mean, the exercise field, but especially HRV. He's been doing, he might hate that I say this, but I think he's been doing HRV training since I was born like 1986, <laughs> baby. Yeah. He kept calling that year out. I'm like, I remember that. Well, I don't really remember that year, but yeah. So he's an amazing expert in in that realm. And he's doing a lot of new work on HRV as far as like what targeted nutrients can we use to increase HRV. And he's actually created a product called HRV Plus, which we get into at the end of the episode. But I just, I always love chatting with him. He has so much knowledge in this space and I love his breakdown of, you know, using HRV to not only be a diagnostic, but as a prescription for our exercise. I like the way he put that. And I was hanging out with him over the weekend at the HealthSpan Summit and he was telling me some of these amazing testimonials of people using the new HRV Plus product. And like one story, he said this woman actually got off of benzos by using this. Um, Mm. I mean, he can't be like claiming that, but I was just like, I mean, just stories like that where you're just like, oh my gosh. And a lot of it is like we were talking about, you know, targeting inflammation. People are just so inflamed. So that definitely is playing a big role, but really love this conversation. It it was a good one. Yeah. He certainly walks his talk. He's just exuding wellness in so many forms. And I think this is not just about an HRV supplement. And funny, we only got to it in really the last five to 10 minutes of this, a little bit of a longer episode. But there's just so many strategies we can and should employ for HRV. And so I really love all the stress and the emotional components that he talks about. Exercise, you know, like most things in 
health and wellness doesn't exist in a silo. HRV does not exist. It's not isolated from everything else that we do. So we have to look holistically, you know, 360 at all of these inputs. And I think for individuals to personalize it, we get to decide where is the biggest opportunity. And I think for some people, it would be supporting inflammation with this product. If that's not the thing for you, he gives so many other strategies. So I think there's going to be a lot to take away from today. He's just a wonderful human. Yes, absolutely. All right. Before I bring Don on, let me share his bio with you. So Don Moxley is Director of Applied Science at Longevity Labs in the U.S., dedicated to helping people live vibrant, fulfilling lives at all ages. He draws upon his career as a professor of exercise physiology, athlete, a sports scientist, to lead and educate on the science of performance, autophagy, and longevity. Don is regarded as a longevity science leader known for making the complex simple. Whether it's a one-on-one podcast interview heard by thousands, a presentation at a wellness conference, or plain talk to people who want to live their best lives as they grow older, Don's personal mission is helping individuals understand the changes necessary to alleviate suffering and contribute to the betterment of well people, all based in the most up-to-date science of human performance. When he's not sharing knowledge about HRV, spermidine, cell renewal, or longevity, he is studying human performance. Yeah, so you are in for a treat today. I have been able to spend a lot of time with Don this year, and he's just always such a pleasure to chat with. So I know you were going to love this episode. Let's do it. All right. Welcome, Don, to the Biohacker Babes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I am excited to be here. Yes, me are too. I have been lucky enough to actually spend a lot of time with you this year, 2023, at a mastermind and actually in Vegas too, and then at the Healthspan Summit over the weekend. And uh, I want to tell you real quick, this is so funny. Over the weekend, my husband was there too, Ryan. And the end of the weekend, I'm like, you know, what did you think? Because he's not in the health space, but he is very interested in everything we talked about over the weekend. And he goes, Don is such a cool guy. I was was like, I know. That's like, yeah, he really enjoyed talking with you and then Dr. Patrick Porter. So he actually got a lot out of the weekend. Very nice. Thank you. Yeah. 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 So we had a great time over the weekend. And then I also had the opportunity to have you on my panel, Exercise for Longevity. So today we're going to talk a little bit more about that because I want to pick your brain more because the panel was not enough time to do so. And we're going to talk a lot about HRV, heart rate variability, which is one of our favorite topics. And you are an expert. You've been looking at HRV for how long? 20 years, 30 years? Uh, Almost 30 years we've been looking at it. Yeah. 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 I had the opportunity to work for Polar, the heart rate monitor company. And, And early on, so this is before smartphones. In fact, it was almost at the dawn of cell phones. Okay. So this is, that's how old I am. But, you know, Polar had these devices that you paid $500 for that you wore on your wrist. And they had technology built in them called Own Zone and Own Index. And they had this, and when you dug into the research and they didn't leave this, these papers laying out on the table. Yeah, I had to dig for them, but they were all based on this thing called HRV. And that was my first introduction to it. And, you know, Polar's a Finnish company. They're out of Ulu, Finland, Kampeli, Finland, a little town way up northern Italy, uh, Finland. And and HRV is a, it's really a Russian uh, variable. It was discovered by Russian scientists in their space program. They had a cosmonaut that was suffering from appendicitis while in space. And they wound up recognizing it because they saw a radical change in the HRV. So this is where it started. You know, so the Russians, uh, 
when you start looking at good HRV literature, you're inevitably reading Russian papers. Oh, and then the Finns picked up on it, particularly because Ulu, Finland is where Nokia was based. So it's kind of like the, the, the Silicon Valley of Europe. And Polar, the heart rate monitor company, is just right around the corner from Campelli and from Ulu in a little town called Campelli. And it's just wound up the, the, the great little place to just stay. That's where, where Aura Ring originated, good HRV companies like First Beat. Uh, they're out of Helsinki. A lot of them have polar ties in their, in their IP. Um, so it's just, it was, it was an opportunity for me. I got to see something that was interesting and was lucky to be there at the beginning of a, an interesting process, particularly with wearables. Yeah. So HRV is not new. Like it's been around for a long time, but I think just now it's getting into the market with obviously Aura Ring was a big step. I think the Apple watch does it now. It's definitely more mainstream. There's a lot of people that say that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's exactly right. (laughs) Lauren. And I, I describe it. I mean, there are wearables on the market that I, that say they do HRV and I, I describe it as it's the equivalent of stepping on a scale and it says you weigh between 20 and a thousand pounds. It gives you a number. The question is, what do you do with it? And can you trust it? Um, mm-hmm. So when you start going down the HRV rabbit hole, it's kind of important to make sure you've got a device that you can really trust. Yeah. Cause looking at HRV like overnight when you're sleeping is going to be mm-hmm. different than, you know, first thing when you wake up, sitting down for a minute and checking it, or then checking it while you're working out. Right. There's just so many yeah. variables. Probably shouldn't check it while you work out. I mean, by the time you're working out, you've already got all the chemicals dropped in. You're already sympathetic, right? Your 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 mm-hmm. body says, "Hey, we're." It, the body doesn't know whether I'm trying to escape from a mountain lion or I'm doing a CrossFit workout. It just knows I'm working. So mm-hmm. when it sees that, it starts dumping dumping cortisol and adrenaline and all those molecules that release. Uh, resources for you to escape the mountain lion or finish the CrossFit workout. And then, so that's the sympathetic, the the fight or flight side of it. So we know your HRV is low then. Now, I personally love looking at it when I'm working out because when I see the HRV of four and it looks like I'm dying, that has been the biggest piece of confirmation that recovery is so important. That we can't live in sympathetic. So it's nice to see that because it's like, wow, we can't escape this. Exercise is sympathetic. It's stressful. It's good in small doses, but we can't live here. We can't do a hard workout and then go run to pick up our kids and eat on the go and run here and run there. We have to recover. You're exactly right. And and I think, you know, this was one of the cool things that, you know, listen, that polar technology was really cool in the fact that if you ever had one of those old devices that, that own zone or own index, you started by, you sat, you put the heart rate monitor, you sat for a minute, and then you stood up for a minute, and then you walked for a minute, you jogged for a minute, you slowly raised your work level. Well, that that monitor was watching your HRV, and there's a point where it bottoms out, where it, where it settles out. That is the onset of cardiovascular benefit to exercise. So, Polar was setting your zones essentially from the bottom up, whereas most exercise zone setting comes from the top down. So they start from max and work backwards. Now, if you're working with a good physiologist, 
Now we're using lactate. So doing a lactate measure is a great tool for, and if you're a high level athlete, it's, it's worth, that's worth the investment. But you know, the, the, there, there are some really interesting physiological phenomena that can be picked up with some pretty cool testing and wearables do it now. So, so yeah, I prefer Renee, I prefer measuring HRV at night. I want that, you know, that's, you know, nighttime is full, should be full recovery. I mean, at late at night, right before I start my waking process, I like to know where I'm at right there. If I can't get that measurement, then first thing in the morning, wake up, go to the bathroom, come back, put a transmitter on, get your HRV. It's, it's a very good measurement if you're doing it at the same time. And when I'm, when I'm working with teams, you know what, there's, because you're an athlete doesn't mean you're a genius and doesn't mean you take the advice that people give you. And a lot of times you got to bring the team in and sit on them and get a measurement right before practice. And, and as long as you're getting that same measurement right before practice, I like to say that nighttime measurement is what is my true recovery? That morning measure, I like to say, well, how well have I recovered for the night before and prepared for the day to come? And then that pre-practice measure, I call it, am I ready for the work I'm getting ready to do? That gives you an indication at all three levels. Again, my preference is that nighttime measurement. That's I think that's the cleanest, nicest, best one to get. Uh, but, you know, you got to do what you can get. Yeah. I guess similar to a CGM, a glucose baseline over overnight. Sure. Kind of sure. determines what's going to happen the next day, right? Yeah. And the thing about HRV is funny is that, you know, once you're up and going, you know, there's so many things that can contribute to it. And it just gets the data gets messy fast. Sure. Um, now, there are really good tools. I'll tell you, um, are you guys are you familiar with HeartMath? Mm-hmm. Yes. I love yeah. HeartMath. HeartMath is a wonderful tool. And you know what? When you sit and quiet, and you're doing biofeedback based meditation that's based on HRV. Beautiful application, sitting quietly, doing a measurement, responding to it with breath. Wonderful tool. I don't know if I use that measurement to determine readiness, but I'll mm-hmm. use that measurement to guide me through my session. Um, so I like those tools. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 I have the, is it inner, inner something? Inner balance. Inner balance. I have that. And then I have the Hanu, which, which do similar things. Yeah. Just seeing no. that biofeedback is, is amazing. So something we talked about too over the weekend is how, you know, since I live in Vegas, my husband plays poker, we were talking about poker players, how they're using HRV now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the top stakes poker players, they have a lot of backers, investors, they won't even be allowed to play poker that day if their HRV is low, because they know they're just not going to be able to bring their A game. So, I mean, poker players really can be considered athletes at this point. I mean, in the sure. health optimization space. But mm-hmm. I'm curious, maybe you can share more about how you have used HRV with your athletes. So you said you they would come in, they would do a test the day they train, mm-hmm. and then you would change the training. Well, so, and I'll tell you what, I'll send you guys a link to a presentation I did to U.S. Special Operations Command on the program that we had at Ohio State. But the way this happened is the coach at Ohio State, I'm a former Ohio State wrestler. I was a captain of the team back in the early 80s. And uh, the coach, the new coach that's there now had come over. At the time, I owned a house. I had a lab at my house. He came over to do some testing. And two years after that, he had an athlete that was struggling. And he says, I want you to test this guy. So he comes over. 
And what I learned a long time ago when I do physiological testing, I always start off with an HRV measurement. Um, I used to do a lot of work with police and fire. And, and when you have someone that could have been traumatized, you've got to have that in the back of your mind when you're doing your measurement. Well, one day a cop comes over for a measurement. He's at my lab at 8.30 in the morning. And I throw an, I throw a, a, a unit on him. And I'm like, when's the last time you slept? And he's like, how do you know that? And I said, well, I said, because your HRV shows it. And he says, well, I just got off work. I worked to midnight. And I go, you can't test now. I said, this... I said, you're, you're, I said, it just, it won't be valid. Your, your circadian rhythm's off. Your work levels are off. This test is not going to tell you anything that you can use. So that was a, that was a real breakthrough for me when I figured that out. Well, this athlete comes over, the coach brings him over. It's, uh, it's like, uh, 10, 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning after he wrestled a dual meet on a Friday night. So, should have been completely recovered. I wire him up. I'm going to put him on the bike ergometer to see what he can do. But as I wired him up and getting him put on, his his HRV was essentially 10 milliseconds, which is the equivalent if a bear walked around the corner and you saw that, that's that's what you would expect with your HRV. And I'm like, hmm, this should be higher at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. So I had him go lay down. Uh, HRV climbs to 100 milliseconds. And as soon as he stands up, it drops back down to 10. So his body perceived the act of standing up equivalent to a bear coming around the corner. Okay. Mm. So that's mm. someone who was, we, I don't use this term anymore, but at this time we said, this is an athlete that's way overtrained. He had not recovered at two. And again, this is a, a, a top college wrestling program. They're making a run at a national title. You know, there's a lot going on. So. We, you know, I worked with the coach. We worked with this kid. We, and, and essentially what we did was we started training him for what he was ready for, not what the coaching staff thought a wrestler should do getting ready for nationals. And we constantly got his HRV to creep up, creep up, creep up. Um, we wound up sending him to nationals with an HRV of about 70 milliseconds and what's called RMSSD of of 70 milliseconds, and he wound up being fifth in the country, he helped the team win a national title. So this is this was the introduction. So we used it for diagnosis, diagnostic purposes. We also used it for prescriptive purposes. So um, the team would come in. I would run an analysis on – we did it on 16 guys. We didn't do the whole team. We just did 16 guys. And I could say to the coach, we've got a lot of bandwidth today. We don't have a lot of bandwidth today. We had it. We had a an interesting situation. We had sent the team home for Christmas break. Uh, they come back, and in the in wrestling in the Big Ten, January is when it really starts. You know, end Big Tens are end of February. Nationals are beginning of March, and but you're in the Big Ten, and in the Big Ten's the best conference in wrestling. I mean, it's really really difficult to do well, or you got to you got to have your game together. And um, the guys come in, and we had a six day training block where we could just really bury these guys for the last time that year to get a training response. Because from there on out, it was match recovery, match recovery for the, for the next 60 days. Um, they come back. We're planning on kicking their butts on that first day back. I run the analysis and I go to the coach. I go, we can't do what we were planning. I said, we just got the worst HRV readings of our team for the entire season. He goes, what's, and, and what I learned 
family stress is the worst stress. Um, mm. You know, they had and gone, alcohol. Do they pardon? did they drink? Did they drink alcohol Prob- on their? Probably, probably. And if we had have, if we had taken them through the workout that we had planned, we might not have ever recovered. So we modified that day really quickly. Uh, we drilled. We did zone two, zone three work, things like that. Uh, sent them home, let them sleep in the bed they were most used to for one more night. Uh, they came back next day. Batteries are full. We went in hard when it, you know, it worked. So we can use it for diagnosis. We can use it for prescription. Do we go hard? Don't we go hard? Is Are things moving the way we want to move? And we can finally, we can use it for selection. You know, a good friend of mine uh, did a study, was working with law enforcement, and they were looking at uh, HR and HRV. If a police officer goes into a shooting um, drill with either too high in HR or too low in HRV, they shoot civilians. And the lower the HRV, the more civilians they shoot. Um, So what we see is it's not just a a matter for physical readiness, but there's also a cognitive, a big cognitive component. And we look at allosteric load, the load on the system both psychologically and physically. And, and there's no, we, we know emotional intelligence improves with higher HRV. We, I mean, you know, listen, when you're stressed and all those resources are down, and if you're a poker player and you have a bad beat, that extends for a long period of time because you can't recover. You know, physically, a, a wrestler has to win five matches at nationals to make All-American. So it's your ability to recover between matches and come back and wrestle that because your competition gets a little better every match, right? So you need to, you need to have better bullets every time. But yeah, this is, it's not just, it's not just physical, but it's also very cognitive. Uh, the tools that, that, that HRV, uh, represents. Yeah. It's so cool. I, I really love hearing about athletes because our audience. They may not be athletes, but I think we can gain so much from learning about how they train, even though it's training in extremes. So I'm curious about the real world applications because so many of us are pushing through on days when we shouldn't be. We feel, you know, I think there's an intuitive component where maybe you feel under recovered, but so many people don't see the ramifications of it. And it sounds like if you're ignoring the diagnosis and giving the wrong prescription, then we're just exponentially compounding the diminished recovery. Is that correct? Yeah, so how do we how do we apply it to the average person? That's well, so much of listen. There's people that are addicted to dopamine. Okay, if they don't get that Americans, state, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, um, and 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 <laughs> there's all no over the world. doubt when you go into the CrossFit workout and you're you're listen the again that adaptive response. We're challenging. It dumps cortisol. There's some dopamine that comes with that because. It wants you, listen, there's a pain management piece that goes, there's probably some oxytocin there with the group. There's a lot. It wants you to feel good. It wants you to survive, you know, and it (laughs) wants you to be able to get through that. It blocks pain. I mean, there's, but you pay a price. There's a physical price you pay with that. And if you, the lion is typically a once in a lifetime event. We have paper lions that we deal with every day. We have family, we have relationships, we have work, we have all these things that our brain does not distinguish between a fuzzy lion and a paper lion. So this is our paper lion. Pardon? <laughs> I love the paper lion. Uh because I have That's a good. I have a former teammate. Can I steal that? <laughs> yeah. Well, my former teammate, Dr. Ron Garbo, 
uh, out in Newport. He calls it paper tigers, but yeah. I, I never start the analogy with a tiger. I always start it with a mountain lion. But um, but yeah, this is this is the point. Is that is that we're, our life is full of paper tigers, and part of it, you know, so much of it, Lauren, is learning. The amygdala is the fear sensing part of our brain. Deep in our brain, the amygdala says that's a threat or that's not. Based on our experience, particularly related to trauma, okay? We are naturally wired to fear snakes and spiders, okay? That's an evolutionary thing that triggers the amygdala and go, well, if you've been abused, if you've had to come, there's a lot of things. If you take a dog or a mouse and you fear condition it, there's lots of work on this in the literature, but if you fear condition it, what you see, there's a drop of a molecule in the amygdala. It's called anandamide. It's an endocannabinoid. It's a cannabinoid that your body makes when you move. Well, that does not come back. If you're born in a rattlesnake pit, the only way you get out of that is by being hypervigilant, right? And hypervigilance does not engage the prefrontal cortex. It does not engage your planning center. But And when you're dealing with this so many times, You've got to learn to look at the threat and say, is that a rattlesnake or is that a garter snake? Um, because if everything looks like a rattlesnake, it's all going to have a sympathetic pop. Mm -hmm. But if you, can, if you can create some bandwidth and the threat you look at and say, okay, is this a rattlesnake or a garter snake? Garter snake won't hurt you. you it'll, it'll raise your awareness. We're wired for that. But it, it doesn't have to drain you. It doesn't have to continue to hit that amygdala. And that's, and you know, so one of the first steps to raising HRV is recognizing what's a true threat and what's not. You know, Renee, we were, there was one of those panels, and I don't remember if you were chairing this one or not. The guy was talking about don't check your phone unless you've got time to respond to what's there. That um, was so good. I have been thinking about that nonstop. Yes. Is that Thomas? Because, Tommy. Yeah. His I mean, point was that. And I'm so guilty of it. If you're like, you're running into a meeting, oh, let me just check my phone real quick. And now you have five texts and 10 emails that you just saw, but you don't have time to respond. Then you go sit in that meeting and your brain is half Your present. subconscious just sitting there churning. It's, it's, it's your fear conditioning part of your brain. So it's, it's churning. And, you know, I have not looked at my phone. Um, I messed up the time and I tried to log in an hour ago, but I was in the wrong time zone. But, um, <laughs> But I made the point not to check my phone for this last hour because I knew what was coming up. And again, yeah. it's your ability, it's your ability to recognize your environment. What is a threat? What is not? What am I doing with my environment? Because listen, once you've lived with rattlesnakes, even if you move to a house full of bunny rabbits, you're still hypervigilant. There's no more threat, but the brain will always be looking. That's and, you know, listen, we had a situation with one of my athletes. I walk into the wrestling room. This kid, a four-time All-American, really talented wrestler. And I walk in. He goes, Coach, he says, uh, he says, what would a hell of a game of Fortnite have to do with my HRV? Oh, and, my gosh. Oh and God. Um, if I could have done this, you can't do this in this environment. If I could have pulled out a, a firearm, unloaded, and says, what do you think your body thinks of right now when I'm pointing this at you? I use my finger. It would be, a, I said, that's what your brain thinks when you're playing first person shooter games. It doesn't know whether that bullet's real or not. It just is, it is kicked into a sympathetic. And so literally we had to coach our kids off of video games 
as we went into high performance periods. Um, we had to coach them off. We were able to use data, HRV data, to show the impact of what happens when you drink four beers before you go to bed. Well, it cuts your recovery in half. Alcohol, you know, it's it's that's one of the big sucks on HRV is alcohol. And so, you know, these are the things, learning to recognize what's a true threat, what doesn't contribute, things like that. I know alcohol makes you feel better. I know it might make you frisky. I know all the good things that go with that. But when we're looking at your ability to recover and compete and perform, have good emotional intelligence, have cognitive performance, you got to look at the entire environment. Yeah. I think that's so fascinating about the video games. I have a handful of male clients that have had it for the past couple of years, and I'm looking at their CGM glucose data. And I do also track oh. HRV, and they tend to be inverse, right? When glucose is high, HRV is low. And I see in these men that are playing video games at nighttime, their glucose is crazy elevated. It makes sense. Your body's mobilizing energy because it thinks it's running from a there it, another paper there's lion. A, there's a t- exactly. It's a digital lion, but uh, yeah, and it's yeah. It, there's there's no two ways about it. What's up, biohackers? Have you been seeing red light devices everywhere and thinking, why would I need a box that shines bright red light? You may be thinking our ancestors didn't use these fancy light boxes. And you are correct. So what has changed and why do we need them? The answer is mitochondrial dysfunction. Our modern world and lifestyles have become quite toxic. We are constantly being bombarded by environmental stressors, poor stress management, and we're being undernourished by a less nutrient-rich food supply, which is causing a breakdown of optimal mitochondrial function, which is responsible for our energy production. Some of the classic signs and symptoms of mitochondrial dysfunction, which I think a lot of us have come to believe are normal, include fatigue, poor endurance and recovery, weakened and vulnerable immune systems, digestive issues, chronic muscular and joint pain, vision problems, headaches, migraines, nausea, loss of appetite. Now, I know these sound all quite dramatic, but I think we all experience them on a small scale throughout our lives. These are all downstream effects of modern living. Now, the first step towards optimizing our mitochondria is to reduce exposure from these environmental stressors like commercial household and beauty products, toxic chemicals in our air and our homes, poor air quality, mold, mycotoxins, also underlying infections, and nutrient deficiencies. But once we can optimize our nutrition and exposure, it is time to turn the lights on with red light therapy. Red light therapy, also called photobiomodulation or PBM, utilizes specific wavelengths of light to affect our cellular health. As LightPath LED founder Scott Kennedy says, red light does one thing. It helps the mitochondria produce more ATP energy, and from there it creates a cascade of effects. There seem to be endless benefits that red light can bring to the human body. New studies on PBM are emerging every single day, but some of the well-known benefits include faster wound healing, better circulation, stronger vision and ocular health, improved mood and energy, optimized fertility, and definitely less pain and inflammation. Some people believe we should consider red light a nutrient, and when combined with near-infrared light, it can penetrate deep into our cells to support the nervous system, organs, muscles, skin, and so much more. There are a multitude of red light devices on the market, but we encourage looking for high-quality bulbs, efficient power output, focused beam angles, I know that's a fancy one, and specific and varied wavelength options, plus, very important, decreased EMF production. This is why LightPath LED is our chosen device because they check the boxes on all of these very essential variables. 
We cannot recommend this company more. And personally, I really don't go a single day without using my LightPath device. So if you're curious and interested and you want to check out LightPath, you can go to lightpathled.com. That's www.lightpathled.com. And you can check out their new diesel line, which is really incredible pulsing light. Some really cool benefits there, which we've talked about on our Instagram. So head over there, check out the benefits. But you can use code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 10%. That's lightpathled and code biohackerbabes. All right. Enjoy the red light and let's get back to the show. Yeah, actually, hmm. over the weekend, my highest glucose spike was right when I started one of the panels. Oh, yeah. really? <laughs> yeah. Your body's trying to help you. It's like, here, energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like mean? lots of excitement, but, you know, a little nervous and stuff. But, yeah, it wasn't anything I ate all weekend. Yeah. Um, Wild. So I'm curious more about the HRV with how does that relate to the different zones? Are we always going to see a drop in HRV depending on what we're no, we no. do? Or? So I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say there's an immediate relationship between zone training and HRV. What I would say there's a long-term relationship. So, you know, one of the key things to building HRV, the variability between heartbeats, the more time you can put between heartbeats, the more opportunity there is for variability, right? That if, if I have poor fitness and my heart beats 90 times a minute, I don't have much time for variability. If I have good fitness and my heart beats, 50 times a minute at rest, I have twice as much opportunity for variability. So when I do become parasympathetic and when I do go into the recovery space, I've got more bandwidth to work with. Okay. So Mm -hmm. one of the key things I think to building improved HRV is improved cardiovascular fitness and improved cardiovascular fitness. In my book, I, I always look at zones one through three, one through five. And I do 90 to 100% of my time zone three or below. I believe, and and again, when you look at good sports performance coaches, Lance Armstrong coaches, Chris Carmichael, these guys came out years ago and showed this, that training sub anaerobic threshold. So training in a place where I can just sit and crank out energy, but not build cortisol, that's where you maximize development. Um, Yeah. Bill Maffetone too, big proponent. Absolutely. And, and, and Lauren, what you get is the fact that this is, these things are connected. Okay. They, they go hand in hand, both for sport performance and longevity. That, you know, the athlete that can generate the most energy usually wins. I mean, energy is, is the asset. Now, Sports change, a shot putter generates energy over a very, very short period of time, high amount of energy, short period of time, whereas a cross-country skier generates a moderate amount of energy over a very long period of time, but it's all about energy. And oh, by the way, you won't die when you run out of time. You die when you run out of energy. When when the mitochondria shut down and stop working, that's when you're going, that's when you know you're going to move on to the next phase of your life. Or maybe we don't call it life at that point. Transcend. You're going to move on to your next phase. So, you know, investing in that cardiovascular base, I am not saying avoid zone five strength, high intensity. So I am not saying that. What I'm saying is that the homework is typically done in that zone two, three range. Um, because the hard stuff, we, we're probably doing it already. 
you know, we're probably, again, you're probably in a CrossFit or a spin, you know, when spinning first started, again, I'm old enough to remember the very first spin classes. And, and I used to tell people, this is like 40 techniques to keep people at max for an hour. And, you know, in my rig (laughs) right now, there's a Peloton bike sitting out here that you can do a class on. And it's about, you know, 50 different ways to keep you at max for 40 minutes. Um, So can't do that every day. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, the dopamine's good. I know you feel good. I know there's a rush. I know that goes there, but you pay a price. Yeah. Yeah. I feel good for about five minutes after a spin class. And then I just like, plummet. So I don't do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's also compounding energy systems. You're just going like all across the board too much, too long, in my opinion. Well, listen, if you love it, I don't want to take, listen, there, there are some things where you like to just engage and go. And I, and I'm all about, Mm -hmm. again, you know, listen, I'm a huge proponent of a concept that's called flow the psychological state of flow, the optimized state of flow. And I'm all about being on the side of a mountain, 30 degrees below zero. If I make the wrong step, I fall 3,000 feet to my death. But I stay in the challenge. I stay focused on the task at hand. I've got clear goals and feedback. That's enjoyment. I mean, that is enjoyment. I mean, I'm getting a flood of all those key molecules to my brain. And it's it's awesome. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, that's why athletes are athletes, why we do the crazy shit we do. But you can't do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we love vitamin J, but there are other ways to get vitamin J. Yeah. So, yeah, I get you. So what are some of your favorite recovery tools? Well, you you, you have to embrace the concept of recovery. And again, I go back to so... So you, you, uh, you've probably, uh, Renee, you've probably heard my talk about rocks in the jar. You know, what are the key rocks? In- so I talk about the key yeah. rocks in the jar for longevity, and this would apply for sport performance and it would apply for HRV as part of that. I like to think of HRV as my video game battery. Okay. If I'm playing a video game and I've got a character, I have a battery that tells me how much life I have in that person, in that character, right? When, when my battery goes to zero, I'm die. I'm next life. I start to game again. Well, HRV is a lot the same way. When HRV goes to zero, you're moving on, you know? So, and when your HRV is very high, your battery's full, you've got tons of resources, things like that. So how do you build that? Movement is the first rock in the jar. If, if you don't move, your fitness declines. Everything about you declines. You hack movement with exercise. Okay. So what exercise you put in at a minimum, you've got to get continuous daily walking, moving, things like this. Um, You've got to get that in your routine. If you do nothing more than just go zone two, three for 30 to 50 minutes a day, your life will be better. Okay. Uh, You can hack exercise with sauna. Um, You'll notice over my shoulder here, there's a sauna. I love sauna as a tool to uh to improve my exercise response you know what i'm starting to get a little bit older i can't train like i did back when i was in my 20s i still have a desire to compete from time to time you know i you know my and we'll talk more about purpose in a minute but but i i can't train like i did when i was 20 and a a college athlete sauna gives me a nice little pop on top of my existing work and there's health benefit that comes from that so so and oh and I also like, we talked about this a little bit on the panel, blood flow restriction training. I think these are good tools 
for building capacity, which build HRV, but do not, you don't pay too big a price. So, so from, from a movement exercise standpoint, those are two of my hacks. You need nutrient dense food. Okay. You need the basic things in your diet. And when we're looking at HRV, inflammation is the number one driver of poor HRV. The more inflamed you are, the lower your HRV will be. For me, this is a challenge. I'm a big insulin resistant phenotype. Okay. You know, when the zombie apocalypse happens and all of a sudden there's a food shortage, you little skinny asses are in trouble. Okay. Us efficient food mo- uh, uh, metabolizers, we then gain an advantage. Um, yeah, I'll be out. <laughs> uh, you know, it won't take long. There is a survival component. I understand yeah. that. <laughs> so, so nutrient dense food, managing that lower inflammation, and making sure you have the phytonutrients there to support nervous system behavior, because this is a big part of it too. My third rock in the jar is sleep. Okay, in the absence in the absence of good sleep. You cannot get good HRV. You have to have good recovery. You have to have good sleep. You can hack the sleep environment, but you can't hack sleep yet. We don't know of a way to do that. And then finally, my fourth rock in the jar is light. uh, You see over this shoulder, I've got red light therapy. It's a big for what we do. I I feel my best. When you look at my HRV over the years, my HRV's peak June, July, and August. Why? Same. Because I've got sun on my skin. Uh, I am. I have a lot of Native American. Ex- I express a lot of Native American in my genetics. When we used to live on a farm and I sat on the idiot end of a hay baler all summer, my skin was as black as my hair. Okay. It was crazy how dark I got. And oh, by the way, I also wrestled the best then too. You know, when I'm brown, I feel good. Not everybody can do that, but that's just me. And light is important. And those four rocks go into the jar of purpose. What is your purpose? What is it that wakes you up? Because we live in, in environments that limit our movement, that limit our access to good food, that limit our ability to sleep with shitty light, that put a bunch of shitty light on us. And if we don't have a purpose to look towards, to say, I'm going to get my exercise in, I'm going to find better food, I'm going to focus on my sleep, and I'm going to get light on my skin, then it doesn't happen. My purpose you know, I've coached a lot of great athletes in my life, Olympic medalists, national champions, all Americans. I mean, great people. My favorite coaching job ever was my daughter's eighth grade field hockey team. Um, <laughs> I can't wait. I, I look forward to the day when I get to coach my grandkids. And, you know, four years ago, my nephew, my brother's son qualified for the Florida State High School Wrestling Tournament. And I happened to be living down there at the time. And I got to go work out with my nephew. He's a big kid. He plays Division One football. He's a Division One center now. He's a big kid. You know what? Old man here had a pre- was pretty good for a day. Was able to compete pretty much, you know, was, was able to stay out in front of him. Second day, it was a train wreck. Um, I was good for a day. I had no two days. But you know what? I want to be that crazy guy that walks into a wrestling room when I'm 70, 80, 90 years old and can still function and keep and teach and do these things because that, that's my purpose. That's my passion. That's that's what I look forward to. What's up, biohackers? Renee here. Do you ever have a hard time falling asleep because you have a lot on your mind? When I have a lot going on in my life, I definitely experience this. And ideally, we want our sleep latency, which is the time to fall asleep, to be around 10 minutes. But when I have that racing mind, sometimes this can be like 
30 minutes, maybe even an hour. So I find sometimes it's really hard to shut my brain off, but I started taking a sleep breakthrough and I immediately noticed that I was able to fall asleep quickly back to around that 10 minute goal, which is amazing. I also found that the sleep quality was much better. So I track my sleep using my different sleep trackers and I saw that I actually have better quality with more time spent in deep sleep and then even REM sleep. And the really cool thing about sleep breakthrough is that it's a natural formula which provides the body with the precursors to melatonin and the necessary molecules to produce it naturally. This approach helps prevent dependency, downregulation, and the negative side effects commonly associated with sleep supplements. We call this the sleep hangover. Have you ever felt like really groggy the next morning? Ugh, that's the worst. I hate that. <laughs> so sleep breakthrough is really nice because you don't get that. And we actually had Matt Gallant on the podcast from Bioptimizers where he talked more about this amazing formula and all the science that went into creating it. So definitely check out the show notes. I will link to that podcast if you want to take a deeper dive. But in the meantime, if you're struggling with sleep, I highly recommend you check out Sleep Breakthrough. Just give it a try. I think it could be a game changer. So all you need to do is visit sleepbreakthrough.com slash biohackerbabes and then use code biohackerbabes10 at checkout and that'll get you 10% off any order. All right. Wishing you an amazing night of sleep. Let's get back to the show. So those are the rocks, but you got to have the environment, the environments we live in. You know, Lauren, you turn over and look over your shoulder. What side of the aquarium are you on? Are you inside it or are you outside of it? Um, but the aquariums that we live in affect our genetics. Our genetics were, were, designed, were, were, were designed to adapt. We now live in environments that don't force us to adapt. And oh, by the way, the, the environments are full of low-quality food, low-quality movement, low-quality sleep, poor-quality light. All those things contribute which winds up getting expressed in shitty HRVs. Mm. Yeah. I love that you shared your purpose one, but just the importance of that. And a lot of people were talking about that over the weekend. You know, when we're looking at increasing our health span, it's like, but why do you want to do that? That's the big question. Why? Like, why, why do you want to be here at a hundred and still be healthy? What are you going to be doing with your life? Well, I don't know. But what I know is if I'm breathing, I want to be healthy. Okay. You know, I have Thanks. a good friend. I have a good friend down in Florida. His name's Ken Ford and he runs the Institute of Human to Machine Cognition. By the way, another great podcast that I recommend, STEM Talk. Yeah, you just told me about that. I, I got After listen. you listen to Biohacker Babes, of course. Um, Thank you. But um, Ken says he wants to be happy, happy, happy dead. Okay. Yeah. And, and there's a lot to that, you know. Um, right now, average lifespan of Americans is 73 years. Right now, average health span is 62 years. Okay. Mm. So right now, most Americans are running for 10 years in suboptimal health status. They're, they're not able to do, they're engaged. They're hooked to a, and if it's bad, they're in a, they're in a bed or an institution. You know what? I don't know how I'm going to exit this world. But if I happen to be walking along the side of the Grand Canyon and I slip, I want to enjoy the trip to the bottom and, and you know, and, 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 and move on. But I don't want to spend it in a hospital hooked to a tube. Hell no. Hell right no. there with you. Yeah, don't do that to me. I want to be out and about. And Don, I think I've heard you say the same thing. I would say I want to be skiing when I'm 90. Like that's yeah. a good goal. Be outside, engaged, you know, moving again. You know, th there is there is value in maturity, 
and you you pick up a couple things along the way. And if you can pass that along to other individuals, you know, I turned 61 on my next birthday in July. I said to my wife yesterday, I said, we're nine years away from 70. And um, that's, I look at that and I say, I don't, I don't feel old. And I tell people if a fight breaks out, I'm not going to back out of it. You know, I may not start it like I used to, but I won't back out. And I want, I want to be, I want to, I want to have the physical capacity to survive and enjoy at the same time, be able to help others. I, you know, my personal, my personal mission is helping individuals understand the changes necessary to alleviate suffering and contribute to the betterment of well people. That's kind of what I wake up for every day and what I, what I look at. And I want to be able to, to pass that along for as long as I can. Yeah. I love that. One of the first questions I have on my intake form for my clients is what is your life's dream? And it's astounding how many people can't answer that. Right. They just skip right over it. And, you know, if you're trying to achieve metabolic health longevity, sounds like that's probably a pretty important question to clarify. I, I certainly think there is a, a a problem with that, that we, that, you know, you know, I, I'll, I remember at the beginning of the COVID crisis, we were sitting there watching TV and, and I, I watched this bus driver from Detroit. This was really early on. We didn't know what was going on with COVID yet. And this bus driver talks about people getting on and off his bus, just coughing all over him. Well, it's like three weeks later, this guy passes away from COVID. And I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, this is this guy in Detroit that wakes up in the morning that just wants to go make a buck to support his family. You know, he probably stops at 7-Eleven on the way to work, grabs something to eat, a cup of coffee, go drives his bus, comes home, sits and watches TV. And the chat, and, and the challenge is what his, his environment has encapsulated him. Okay. He's just in the routine. Okay. And it took him out, you know, because because COVID attacks the autophagy system. I mean, that's how that's how it works. And if you have upgraded autophagy, you didn't do as bad with COVID as someone who didn't, you know. So this guy was probably inflamed. He probably had low HRV, probably had high blood sugar. He probably had all of those inflammatory related things that come with lack of movement, poor food, no sleep, and bad light. So yeah. this is this is the challenge that we run into. And, and, and I remember watching that and it just, it's, I, I can see this guy today in my, in, in my mind's eye. And, you know, he's just a guy that wakes up trying to take care of his family. And you know what? I, I, I want to make sure that, that listen, if you're going to drive a bus for a living, that's fine. And, and thank goodness that people do that. But I also want to protect that person so that he can be a father and a grandfather and a brother and a husband and, and, you know, and, you know, across the board, you know, so, you know, these are all important ideas for that. Yeah. We talked about that a little bit too over the weekend, how it's like a lot of these healthy things are for wealthier, the wealthier community. And I appreciate that you're like, well, how do we get the average American to have access to all of this? Not just the biohacks, but the education. We have access to it. We have to reemphasize and and again, Renee, you know what? You heard me say it, that as someone who's been working in the fitness industry since 1986, I graduated from grad school in 1986 and started running a health club back then. We have failed. Fitness professionals have failed in the fact that when someone walks into a fitness facility, if you ask them their goal, 97% of the time they say their goal is to lose weight. 
This is the worst goal in the world. If we have failed at it for, for generations, stop. Just stop. If you walk into a fitness facility, it's to build the capacity to live. You know, I had a I had a little facility in the town that I lived in. We define fitness as the physical capacity to enjoy the life you're given. Okay. Um, no one takes a picture of a scale and hangs it on the wall. Okay. Walk away from that goal. Look at the pictures of your wall. Think about when the next time, what is the next life event that you have coming up that if you're in better condition, you'll enjoy that event better, a wedding, uh, a vacation. And it, and you know what? People put pictures of them running a 5K on the wall. Good on you. That's a good go- That's a good thing. It's a picture that goes along. You're probably, it defines you. And, and you. and look at your walls and figure out what the photos are, how you define yourself, and look at your movement, hack with exercise, food, hack with uh, supplements, Sleep, hack the environment, light, hack with light and things like that. Look at those things and say, if I engage in these behaviors more, how much more will I enjoy that vacation, that wedding that's coming up, that family reunion, that, you know, whatever it is. That's why we engage. And oh, by the way, we get improved cognitive performance. We get improved physical performance. It costs us less to live because it costs a lot to die with poor health span. It costs a lot to die. Yeah, yeah quite expensive. It's so interesting though. I see in different age categories of clients, it's like the young people want to lose weight and the older they get, they start to shift that to quality of life and wanting to be able to be more right. resilient. And so it's like the closer you get to facing your mortality is when you realize that. How do we shift it younger and younger so people start focusing on it earlier and qualifying it in other ways? Well, I th- listen, media is hard. And, and, and as I've said many times, no one ever wrote a song about a girl with a flat ass. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going to write it. <laughs> we, have, we have to stop orienting towards what marketing gains our eye. Our eye goes to the unusual. Okay. This is where heroin chic came from. Our models got thinner and thinner and thinner. It got to the point they had to look like they were addicts to make it on the cover of Vogue. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not attractive. Okay. It's it's remarkable. You see it. You know, I, I was telling a story. Um, I was on an elevator in San Francisco. This is before Facebook. So this was a long time ago. I was on an on an elevator with Cindy Crawford. Okay. And Cindy Crawford has six foot legs and a six-inch sternum. I mean, I mean, her legs and her body, the ratio is so crazy. And it's like, <laughs> oh. That's why you're a model. You're it's it's an unusual look. The camera you're picks weird. <laughs> you're different. So you know. So too many times we we want to first of all and and you know Renee um, Nicole's talk. I'm blank. Nicole Gibson. Nicole Gid- Yeah, Gibson. You have to love yourself first. If you can't love yourself the way you are. You won't love yourself if your weight changes. It won't change. You've got to get that first. And once you get that first, you take a step back and say, look, well, you know what? What I'm saying is you are beautiful. You're beautiful and no physical change will change that. That beauty is inside. It's energy that comes from the inside. And we have to emphasize that. We have to stop looking at, you know, and idealizing you know, what we see in a model, because remember, that's a mechanism to get eyes on an event. It is not a measure. 
And, you know, I'll tell you, I, I go back and forth with this. I get, you know, uh, my niece was just in a fitness contest, a fitness modeling contest. And I'm proud of the job she did. I'm proud of the work she did. But I got to tell you, I sit back and I watch that. And, and you know, we were in Denver. We were skiing in Colorado when Je- when the Joan Bonet Ramsey event happened. And I mm-hmm. see that stuff. And I just the hair stands up on the back of my neck. And I'm just like, ugh. And, you know, I raised a kid that was an athlete, you know, so we were going to hockey rinks and lacrosse games and things like that. Um, no risk of, of beauty pageants with her. But, you know, it's that internal beauty that you have to embrace first. You've got to love yourself first. If you're doing those things, oh, by the way, let me bring this back. Your HRV will improve. You'll improve in cognitive performance. You'll improve physical performance. You have the ability to, to engage this. Your battery gets bigger. Yeah, yeah. I, I will share um, part of the reason I really connected with Nicole was I had a similar story. I actually battled anorexia for about 10 mm-hmm. years and people always want to want to know like, well, what did you do to solve that? And to be honest, a big part of it was I met my husband who was so in love with me and learning how someone loved me so deeply. I'm like, oh, I can be loved. And that then taught me how to love myself. I'm not saying that's the answer that's not the answer for everyone, but that was how I learned to love my body again. And so, yeah, hearing Nicole's story was just so ooh, amazing. And Lauren, she's the one I told you about, Nicole. Well, I'm going to link to her book and her information in the show notes, just because I think everyone should follow her and connect with what she's doing. It's, one of the it's most so impressive powerful. people I've met in my life. It was, oh, yeah. it was incredible. Yeah. She just got up there and talked for maybe an hour. I mean, no notes, no PowerPoint, just talked. And you felt like she was talking to you in the audience. And there were maybe 50 of us in there, but I'm like almost going to cry just thinking about it. But yeah, you have well, to love yourself. And I, I told her, and I, 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 I believe this with all my heart. I, I, I can only believe what the apostles felt like when they heard Christ speak. And I told her, I said, you just had that same impact. The ability to communicate love, the importance of love, the value of love. It was, it was impressive. And so, you know, this is, so again, closing the loop on this thing, you know, at some point in time, you know, again, the fitness industry has failed. Stop, 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 stop. Okay. Don't go to the gym to lose weight. It will, you will fail. I guarantee it. You will fail. Eventually go to the gym to build your capacity to do work. Go to the gym to improve cardiovascular fitness. Go build fitness to fill your battery so you have the tools for that event, the physical capacity to enjoy the life you're given. This is what fitness is all about. And you put these events on the calendar, and as you move towards these events, if you go into that 5K with an HRV that's higher than what you did the last one, you'll run better. If you go into that family event, and we know family events can take a little bit of cognitive strength, you know, if if you're going to that event and you know you're going to need your batteries full, that's how you fill them because family stress is the it's the hardest stress we found. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, emotional yeah. stress is is real. So, gosh, you've shared so many amazing strategies, but I know there's some nutrients. I want to take a not yeah. so right turn into some other ways. Cause I do believe it's not one thing we have to do a little bit of all of these things and just keep kind of raising our efforts if we can. 
Yeah, and and the environment again, nutrients, environment, these create a limiting. So so just to continue my story a little bit. So I was at Ohio State. We're doing this amazing work. You know, we measured three and a half million data points on a wrestling team in one season. We we're doing really cool stuff. And simultaneously, I had connections around the country that were asking me about about cannabis, what I knew about cannabis and HRV. And I'm like, I don't know anything about it. And then I start digging into this a little bit. And I'm like, I'm not saying I don't know anything about cannabis. Say I didn't know anything about cannabis and HRV. Um, there's a difference. <laughs> to be um, clear. Okay. I'm not, I'm not hope-like. Okay. That's not me. But I started, I said, there's something here. So I had an opportunity to go to Florida and work in the cannabis, the medical cannabis industry. And I took the opportunity and it was, it was life-changing for me that that literally so i i didn't i've taught the exercise sciences for 35 years now okay understanding the endocannabinoid system the production of anandamide and an, an endocannabinoid molecule that you generate when you exercise this is the value of exercise this should be chapter 2 of exercise 101 okay that's how important you also produce a little molecule that's called bdnf brain derived neurotrophic factor okay this is what seeds learning okay the the ability for a nerve to be able to connect starts with the presence of bdnf by the way dopamine catalyzes that so being happy so yelling at someone when they're trying to learn is not a good strategy cortisol does not help that dopamine does so this, and, I, and I'm like, wow. And then you start digging into cannabinoids and this endocannabinoid system. And we have receptors called CB1 and CB2. These are cannabinoid receptors. We start to understand, wow, okay, this product out here called cannabis, this is how it interfaces with our system. Now, it doesn't have to be THC, the, 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 the cannabinoid that causes a psychological change. But there's other cannabinoids and terpenes in there that play an important role. So what we did at Longevity Labs, we created a new product that's called HRV Plus, and it is a blend of uh, CBD, which I think is a little overrated in the marketplace. We can talk more about that as we go, but it also has what's called CBDA. This is the molecule that the plant produces, okay? CBDA is very active on many of your receptors CB1, CB2, what's called the serotonin receptors, pain receptors. It plays a role in all of those. And then there's another molecule in here that's called beta-caryophylline. So beta-caryophylline is called a dietary cannabinoid. It's in black pepper. It's in mango. So it comes from places other than cannabis. So we don't call it a cannabinoid. It's called a dietary cannabinoid. And it also plays a role. It supports anandamide. It supports uh, pain receptors, it lowers inflammation. So we have those cannabinoids that are in a carrier oil of DHA, EPA, omega-3 fats. Um, and again, you guys understand the value of omega-3s and the and the resolving the inflammatory cycle. But we also, um, one of the nice things about technology is that those omega-3 fats go through an enzymatic breakdown and become what's called pro-resolving mediators. These are the molecules that clear the inflammation out of the cell. Well, we can create that in labs now. So we, they're called SPM, specialized pro-resolving mediators, and we have them built into the product too. So you get this, this hit of a lot of cannabinoids that support endocannabinoid system status. 
that lower inflammation, all of this contribute. The, the thing that we see, now we're running a little pilot study right now. Um, we've got about 20 people in the cohort right now. We're seeing about a 10%, on average, a 10% improvement. Not everybody. I mean, we have non we have non-responders, not many, um, but we definitely have non-responders. But we have people seeing an HRV improvement up to 28% um, over a three-week period. It's, I think it's obvious that, again, our environment, our aquariums that we live in do not uh, supply all that we need. It, it creates a safe environment for us, but it, may not, it does not provide an environment that we have to adapt to. So we have to figure out what nutrients. Listen, neither of you have scurvy, so you're obviously getting enough vitamin C. Whether you're doing that mindfully or not, or just from your regular food choices, that's good. Well, not all deficiencies, all nutrient deficiencies result in your teeth falling out. So there are nutrient deficiencies that le- that that will result in poor performance of your endocannabinoid system, which will result in lower HRV status. And, and again, if we get the nutrients in that resolve inflammation, well, good, we, we're lowering... We're lowering the push on bad HRV and we're raising the pull on good parasympathetics. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a supplement that we've done and I'm pretty proud of it. This is uh, when I, when I made the decision to move into cannabis, I moved to Florida for a year. My wife and daughter were still in Ohio. So I'm in a one bedroom apartment down in North uh, in West in North Palm beach. And my kitchen looked like breaking bad. I had gram scales and beakers <laughs> and the whole thing. Oh, I was fig- I was figuring this out. I was I was like, okay, how does this work? What are the components? How does it go? And it turns out there's a lot of value. There's a lot of value in cannabis when done correctly. Okay, um, I think a lot of people misuse it. Too much THC is going to tank your HRV. There's an anxiety response. It'll tank your HRV. So how you manage those? I was um, I was at a pain show, a, a pain doctor show in uh, at the Breakers in, in Palm Beach. And this Jamaican medical assistant comes over to our booth and she says, you know, Amon, we used to grow this in our backyard. And um, I said, oh, really? She says, my parents would soak it in our finest rum. So one of the ways we extract cannabinoids is is an alcohol-based extraction, ethanol-based extraction. And she didn't say we soaked it in rum. She said we soaked it in our finest rum, Okay. And so this pulls the cannabinoids and the terpenes out. And she said, when I would have a menstrual problem, I would have a shot in my orange juice that would go away. So one of the great things about cannabinoids can be in, in regulating uh, menstrual cycle disorders. Cannabis can be a really nice little tool. And she says, my father said, my father would come in from the fields and he would rub it on his knees, much like liniment on a racehorse. And I'm thinking, okay, what is it in that alcohol-based extraction of the cannabis that they grew in their backyards that was crossing the membrane? What was going on in his knee? CBDA. You throw a good beta-caryophylline in on top of that, that'll cross over. And we start to look at these terpenes, there's different things. And, and, you know, listen, if this goes good, we think we can do other terpene-based therapies as well. That's so cool. Oh, I've cool. actually never heard of CBDA. So that that's super fascinating. Um, I am curious about the THC though, because Lauren and I both don't tolerate THC. Like I, I mean, I, sorry, mom and dad, I used to smoke a lot of weed in high school, but I can't touch the stuff now because um, yeah. it does, it induces anxiety. And I would assume my HRV would drop with that. So I'm curious. I know there's only a tiny bit in there. 
there's a Thoughts. there could be a tiny bit in there. Could okay? be okay. Like trace amounts. Be. We extracted from hemp, um, which there's below a threshold. And unfortunately, that was the only way we could formulate this run. I think I've come up with a mechanism when we formulate our next runs. I think I can go completely away from any THC at all because we have some first responders and we have some military people that are asking about our product. And, and unfortunately, I have to say, listen, I can't guarantee you won't test positive. The risk is really, 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 really low. But any risk to someone's job is too much. So, yeah, we're working on that. The We have had some adverse reactions. Ironically, it's in very small females that has not tolerated the, the cannabis very well. So if mm-hmm. if you're if you we recommend that when you start to use the product, start with one tablet, one. It's a gel cap. Um, we call it a bean. Oh, that one's not. Open. Hold on. You see that? Yeah. 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 They're cool. They're cool looking. They kind of look like jelly beans. They look like little jelly beans. Do not eat them. Um, swallow them. It's a combination of hemp extract and fish oil. They are the nastiest things when they break open your mouth. You can imagine. Um, but yeah, start with one. Make sure you tolerate it okay. And you got to figure out where your dose is in between that. Okay. You know, okay. My, yeah. my daughter, who's a 25 year old, pretty athletic young lady, um, she takes one. She's getting everything she needs from taking one a day. Recommended dose is three. Um, we've had to move some people up to four or five a day in the study. We've done this and, and moving them from three to four or three to five remarkably changed their HRV scores. And I take eight. Um, I'm a, I'm a big guy. Um, arguably I was also trying to pee a hot test. I was trying to bioaccumulate enough that I could pee a hot test. I've not been able to do it yet. Um, so I've crammed up all my receptors now and I got a detox from HRV plus. Um, but yeah. Any um, other reasons that someone would be a, a non-responder, I guess, in addition to being a negative responder, like the females that responded to the hemp, anything I, I, else? I don't know why, you know, listen, you guys, is there a fish oil? I mean, would there be an issue with fish oil with some people? And I'll, I'll throw this back to you, you know, from a nutritional standpoint, you guys are far more, um, erudite in that area than I am. Is fish oil an issue? I don't know. Yeah, perhaps. You know, sometimes you need different forms. Yeah, I feel like there's so much to dig into. I think a question that's riding on my mind is I'm really getting a, a big understanding that this is great for inflammation. So this may be overly reductionistic, but would you say that people that need support with their inflammatory status, this is really for them? And I think the analogy I'm thinking of is like with glucose, a lot of people are like, ooh, I want to take berberine. I want to take metformin. But it's not always that they need insulin sensitizing nutrients. There could be another reason why their glucose is dysregulated. So of course we talked about so many things that affect HRV. So in, in personalizing it, would you say inflammation is really the opportunity here? I think there's something to be said for that. And and I have to be a little careful here being a manufacturer and representing a manufacturer and making claims. I have to be a little careful, but at a personal level, a 35-year-old type 2 diabetic, you know, an insulin, re- I mean, I've been insulin resistant for a long time. When I take HRV plus, I do not get up at night and urinate. Mm. Period. End of story. Um, I sleep all night. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, I was trying to remember, uh, we were in Austin. Renee, were you in Austin at uh, Biohacking Congress? 
Did we see you there? Oh, I missed the Austin one, okay. but I've been to their other events. Yeah. We're at, we're in Austin and I've been working all day and I'm hungry. I, I haven't eaten and I'm going back to the hotel and I think I'm going to grab something light and go to bed. And I get to the hotel and I open the menu and here is this chori- shrimp and chorizo gnocchi. <laughs> And I looked at it and I go, that's the worst thing in the world you could eat right now. But I did not have the cognitive power to over to not order it. And it was so good. I mean, that's just, amazing. just so good. I was up all night. You're licking the plate. <laughs> I, I, it was my HRV tanked. I'm sure my blood sugar was off the scales. I'm not saying I won't make that mistake again. But I'll try not to put myself in a situation where I'm so tired and depleted that I make that mistake again. Yeah. You know, but this this has been wonderful for me because you know nighttime urination is one of the challenges with with uh, insulin resistance. And when I'm taking mm-hmm. it, I do not get up at night. Mm. Yeah, that's Amazing. significant because every time you do wake up and go to the bathroom, it's very disruptive. Is the process. Yep. And yeah. Um, yeah. so I've yeah. been I've been very happy with that now. I'm an N of one. I have to be very careful about this. I mean, this is not a treatment for insulin resistance or anything like that, but there's a lot of nutrients in here that are designed to act on the systems that are contrary to what inflammation triggers. No, it's really convincing. I'm only grueling all these questions because Renee and I have naturally higher HRVs and it's (laughs) for people like us, it's higher to move the needle, but I can think of a million people that would I don't sure. know a million people, but I can think of a lot of people <laughs> that would really benefit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah listen, your, your, your organs are functioning very well. I mean, that's what your high HRV tells you. You've got a lot of capacity. You've got a lot of, you know, um, you're obviously intelligent from the standpoint that you're cognitively engaged. You're able to, you're able to move into the prefrontal cortex easily. You know, those are all good things. And, and that shows up in your HRV, not the rest of the world's not like that. In fact, Renee, I don't have anybody in my study with an HRV that is uh, two-thirds of yours. Oh, wow. Do you need anyone else in your study? <laughs> I don't need you because you moving the needle is going to be really hard to do, so I'm not going to, yeah. going to mess my study up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you're very special. <laughs> yeah, right. you're too good, Renee. I'll I'm not you quite there, but I'm over 100. You're close. You're close. That's, yeah. that's really good. Yeah, well, actually, yeah. I wanted to just quickly circle back to the exercise the zone two conversation because it's in, when I look at the macro trends, just using Aura Ring, for example, yeah. I noticed when I was doing a lot of zone two, which happened to be in 2020 because I all of a sudden had all this time for zone two where, right. you know, usually you do a HIIT training because it's more time effective. Right, right. 2020, I had way less stress. I was doing much more zone two. That's the highest my HRV has ever been in, in 2020. It's, Same. it's hard to deny. It's, it's yeah. really hard to deny. And then, you, and then you can build in the other modalities. I'll tell you that one of the things we did with the wrestling team, uh, we used sensory deprivation float tanks. We happened to be in a program where our data was going in the military. We had some interaction with Navy SEAL groups, and um, they were using float tanks. If you've ever read Stephen Kotler's book, Stealing Fire, he talks about this in his book. But um, we were working with those. We floated that team 140 times one season. Okay, it moved the needle for us. It was re- it was. Now, I can't take a 17 year old kid that came from a traumatic household and throw him in a sensory deprivation tank for an hour and not have him freak out. I had to teach them 
So we used Headspace. I love Headspace, you know, mm-hmm. when you're mm-hmm. trying to learn meditation, I love Headspace. And, and, you know, we were talking about it earlier that uh, when I look at something like BrainTap, it's a good product. I think of it as an analog to a float tank. I think it works. Now, The I think the float tank, there's a benefit from the magnesium chloride that's in the water that makes you float. I think that magnesium, I think there's a transdermal benefit from that. Um, sure. But jack yourself up on magnesium, get a bunch of, uh, get some brain tap time in, brain, you know, boost that parasympathetic. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one more story about this. So my Olympic gold medalist, um, this guy has not lost a wrestling match in three years, NCAA or uh, international. He's won two national titles. He lost his first national title match, but then came back and didn't lose another match for three years, international or in college. But going to the end of his fourth year, his senior year, there was a really good uh, wrestler from the University of Michigan, which was our rivals. And this guy was also a world champ and he was big. My guy wrestled 97K, which he walked around our room about 230 to, you know, right in that range. This guy he's wrestling cut weight to make 285. Okay. So big boy, 700 pound squat, world champion. Um, we wrestled a dual meet up there in Ann Arbor. That morning, I got the lowest HRV measurement than I had for this athlete the entire season. Okay. Now, when I do measurements in the in the morning, I the only thing that comes out of my mouth, you guys look great. You're ready to go. Because there's nothing I can change at that point. You know, you know, the cake is um yeah. he loses the match. It's the only match he's lost in three years. But when I went back and dug into his data. In HRV, there's this thing that's called HFLF, where this LF-HF ratio, so you want that to be a value less than one. You want your HF higher than your LF because that's your parasympathetic over your sympathetic. Well, his was That's 20. high and low frequency, right? Bro? Yes, high and low frequency, exactly, which is a difficult variable to get on a lot of wearables. This is something we're working on. And, and, and Renee, we have a mutual friend that I think has a company that may be bringing this. I'm excited about this from a wearable standpoint. You can get LFHF from Interbalance too, I think. You hmm. can't get it from Aura. You can't get it from any of the other wearables. Um, but um, I recognize this guy's 20, meaning that his sympathetic was sky high and his parasympathetic was really low. And so he came back. I put, got him in my office. We talked about it. And I hooked him up with an inner balance. This kid immediately gamifies this process. I mean, he is on the very high challenge within a day. Okay. And able to, and if you, if you're not inner balance, he's able to get it in that zone very high, really quickly. Gamifies this for two weeks, wrestled the same guy two more times, beat him two more times, never had an, L, uh, an LFHF greater than two. So we went from 20 to two mainly by boosting parasympathetic, okay? Mm. We just brought parasympathetic up. I'm, I'm not entirely sure you can lower sympathetic actively in that kind of a situation. It's like, you know, if you're going to war, you're going to war. There's a threat that's there and your body's going to respond. But we can co-engage parasympathetic. I believe this is where flow comes from personally. But you can co-engage that. So this stuff works, Okay. It, um, we understand it. It works. We've been looking at it for a while and you can modify it. Meditation, dietary behaviors, behaviors, exercise, making sure you have the right food, quality sleep. Um, 
I was measuring my team and one of my devices when I started was called a first beat bodyguard. So it's a, it's a halter monitor that I could put on a wrestler for two days and they could wrestle in it and I could do everything with it. And I learned to be able to see if my wrestlers were sleeping with someone that, you know, you've got an 18 or 20 year old who's hormonally optimized for reproduction. And if there's someone in bed with them and they rustle, the subconscious says, hey, what's going on over there? And I recognized this and I started coaching my guys. I said, listen, I don't care what you do with your mate. I just want it done and I want you home sleeping in your bed. Okay. Ugh, I got yeah. another long story. It was really, but it, made, <laughs> it makes a difference. And when a kid's sleeping in their bed by themselves, they drop into a deep sleep right away. If they're in bed with a mate, it took four to five hours to really drop in. Um, wow. I believe it. Yeah, that's yeah. what this concept of sleep divorce comes from. You know, the you know, you and your partner sleeping in different beds. Um, you know, my wife and I did this for a while. We had to work our way through this. One of the things we fixed, we have a um, we live in an RV now, so I've got a king size sleep number bed because we don't have two bedrooms, but we have a king size sleep number bed. So we have ind- our our mattresses are independent of each other. We have what's called the dual temp, so she can be on three cold and I can be on three warm. And it doesn't disturb. And then we've put on separate top sheets. So the bottom sheet is the same, but the top sheets and the blankets are different. So when I turn over, I'm not pulling her bed close. Um, So we've we've created this independent sleep environment for ourselves. And it's just, it's recognizing the value and investing in changing the variable. Yeah. I, I noticed when my husband and I are in the same bed, I fall asleep in about 10 minutes. And if he is traveling for work and I'm home alone, could be an hour. I can just really? feel my nervous system just doesn't want to let go because I'm in this a house bit more by myself. There, huh? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I'm the same. Yeah. It takes me longer to fall asleep alone, but I do have more wake ups when I'm sleeping next to my partner. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. time especially to fall asleep better, but especially there's little there's little things. Listen, that's this is why N of one experimentation is so important, and we live in a mm-hmm. great time. We wear these wearables. You guys use them with your customers. I use them with my clients. We're able to reach out, you know, you know, Renee, I think you're in Vegas. Lauren, you're in Maryland. I'm in outside of Dallas, Texas right now. We're having a great conversation. Thank you, technology. Um, We're able to reach out with wearable tech and help people understand and communicate because ultimately they're communication devices. I mean, that aura ring or the cardio mood or whatever is simply a cell phone. It's simply a tool that helps you, your body communicate to you. And so you treat it, treat it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Don, you have shared so much amazing information with our audience today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate um, the opportunity. Yes. We're so grateful, but we want to ask one final question. Since <sighs> there was so much Great information. If you can give our audience one thing they can start doing today, what would be the first step for them? Um, morning and evening sunlight. I think that's, I think in, you've heard this a lot. No, I'm, I retract that answer. Here's the answer. Figure out your purpose. Okay. Because in the absence of purpose, nothing. There's you don't have the energy to do this stuff. And I'll tell you a good book. Again, my friend Stephen Kotler wrote a book called The Art of the Impossible. If you're struggling to understand what your purpose is, 
This is what his book is all about. How do you work on finding that? What are the processes? I love, I love this book for that, for that objective. Figure out what your purpose is and, and be kind to yourself, you know, forgive yourself, love yourself, be kind to yourself. Those, those things will really move the needle for you. Mm. And then make sure you get morning and evening sunlight. (laughs) So important. I love all of these things. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sean. This was a pleasure. You guys, you, you can have my time whenever you ask. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And yes, thank you, Don. And thank you to everyone that tuned in today. We will see you next time. Love this episode of the biohacker babes podcast, head over to Apple podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support until then. Happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.